the Maiden Fly Podcast, episode 13. Well, hello everybody and welcome to the Maiden Fly Podcast the podcast focusing on aviation and learning to fly in Ireland and Europe. My name is Mark Maiden, and I'll be your host for this episode, Theoretical Knowledge Exams. There are many things you need to learn as a student pilot in order to make yourself available to proceed with the tests and the exams and to ultimately receive your private pilot's licence. Um, here in Ireland... Uh, there are two main focuses. Obviously, the first is the flying. You need to learn how to fly an airplane in order to get a license. But the a big part, the second part of that, is that you need to know all the theoretical knowledge in order to be able to understand the airplane, understand what's happening aerodynamically, understand all the different parts that go on behind the scenes when you're flying. So if any of you have been following me, you've realized that I've, uh, I've got a certain amount of hours up at this stage. It was getting to the stage now where I really felt I needed to get the theoretical knowledge exams behind me. It's taken me quite a few years to get to this stage. I have 30 hours, uh, but I really felt that it was time now to stop mucking around with the theoretical stuff and just get it done and get it out of the way. Here in Ireland, uh, it's quite different to the U.S., in that there are four exams that need to be done, uh, totaling up to six hours, six hours of um, multi-choice exams. I guess that probably sits in between uh, various countries. I know in the US uh, there is one ground school exam. I know in the UK there's the other extreme, there's nine exams where they break out the subjects more. But here in Ireland uh, they, they make you do four exams totaling six hours. And the prerequisite is that you have to do it within one day. Uh, the first time you sit any of the exams, you have to try. You have to attempt to pass all four exams in one day. And I guess the thinking behind that is that you know, if you really want to be going forward for your pilot's license, you really should know this stuff. This should should be um, knowledge that should be in your head. It should be all part of your training, and it should just be something that comes naturally to you. Um, as a pilot. So what I decided last year to do was to, to to really focus now on this. I haven't been flying in quite a while, but I thought, well, let's try and get this um, in the bag. Uh, so I signed up for a ground school um, at the local airport at Weston, um, the flight school is NFC. And the prerequisite is, is that you have to sit 100 hours of ground instruction before you can go and take the exams. Uh, that might sound like a lot, uh, but uh, NFC have a pretty good way of doing it in that they will give you 65 hours of uh, classroom time uh, with their instructors where they go through all the topics and then you spend another 35 hours on their online system um, at home just uh, backing up what you've learned uh, from, uh, from the classes. So in October, I said, right, okay, let's just do this. I took four uh, weekends out in October, uh, basically nine to nine to five, uh, Saturday and Sunday for four weeks. 
Um, I have to give kudos to my family who basically said, see you for the month because they weren't going to see me basically uh, for any of the weekends in October. So thank you to them for giving up their time and and realizing that I wouldn't see them for a while. So uh, once that was done, then I, I put myself forward to do the exams at the end of November. So that gave me the whole month of November in the evenings to sit down and actually just make sure it was really going into my head. And for me, a, a, a lot of the classes, um, they really were about, you know, just getting, just uh, confirming in my head that I knew, uh, I knew the stuff, that I understood the knowledge. And then in the month of November, it was really about sitting down and making sure that, you know, I, I could answer multiple choice questions um, about that. So I spent a lot of the time in the evenings now going through practice test papers uh, there's a fantastic uh, book called The PPL Confuser, which really is really does make you think. Um, it's a it's a book which gives you practice tests, and the answers are never really that clear. Um, a lot of them are very difficult, and I found that one now to be very good because I went when I went to go through the tests that NFC had given me. I found that I was uh, well able to do those ones. I found them um, an awful lot better. And kudos to NFC for giving out um, practice tests as well. Um, I found them so helpful. So uh, then at the end of November, I went in to do my exams. I took a, a day off work um, and went in at nine o'clock in the morning. I didn't come out until I think it was about four or five in the afternoon. And uh, I'm very thankful to say that I passed my exams. And it was such a fantastic feeling to finally get the email on my phone and I was there with my wife and we uh, we read the email together and just to see the four passes come out of the exams was such a relief. We were just so grateful, so thankful and just, just to know now that that's behind me, I can forget about that. Well, not forget the knowledge, obviously, but forget about the exams, having to do the exams that they're done now. But also the clock starts ticking. Clock starts ticking now because I've got 24 months now to actually complete my PPL. Uh, if I don't do that within that period, then I have to go back and do the ground exams again. So now the clock is ticking, which means I need to get back up in the air again. So um, I'm really looking forward to that again. But uh, one thing I thought maybe I'd do uh, here for um, all you av geeks out there, and I know everybody likes a good uh, a good teaser when it comes to uh, questions, theor- theoretical knowledge exams. So I thought maybe I'd give you a few examples of some of the uh, questions and answers that I, I got during the papers. Uh, these probably aren't exactly the same as the ones I were getting, but just very similar. And, uh, you know, you can always compare what they're like in your own country, if you're from the US or UK or Australia or wherever you're listening to uh, this podcast in, you can have a listen and see what you think. So here's one now. The first exam was, was aviation law. And actually, this was the one that I was probably the most nervous about. I don't really know why. I think I just found some of the questions um, a bit tricky when I was doing the practice tests. But um, here's here's an example now, and this is actually a pretty good question because this is pretty relevant. So in aviation law, except when taking off or landing and when not over a congested area or over an open area assembly of persons, an aircraft may not fly closer to any person, vehicle, vessel or structure or at a height lower than, so obviously, what's the height that you can't fly lower than? Closer than 1,500 feet, lower than 1,500 feet, closer than 1,000 feet, closer than 500 feet, 
or closer than 1,500 feet. So this is obviously when you're out flying out in the west, uh, out the west past Dublin, and you're not over a congested area or you're not over peoples or vehicles. How low can you go? And obviously, us pilots, I think we'd love to fly as low as we could, but we can't. So the answer here is number three, and it's uh, 500 feet. So you can fly 500 feet, but you can't go any lower than that. And here's another one. The holder of a student's pilot's license, an SPL, is permitted to, number one, fly solo whenever he wishes. Yeah, I wish. Uh, Number two, carry passengers, but not for reward. Number three, carry passengers, but not at night. Or four, fly solo at night when authorised by his instructor. So this is obviously one that's come up because you do find student pilots on a rare occasion, not very often, but sometimes flying when they shouldn't really be flying. So fly solo whenever you wish. You can't. Carry passengers, but not for reward. You can't. Carry passengers, but not at night. No, you can't. Or fly solo at night when authorised by his instructor. So that's actually the right answer. So uh, I actually have my SPL. So if my uh, instructor ever said, you know something, if you want to fly at night with their significant training, then I'll, I'll let you go. So that was aviation law. And then the second exam I did was called flight planning and performance. So obviously this is um, taking in matters such as uh, meteorology, uh, navigation, um, obviously planning flights, and then also the performance of the airplane under certain conditions. So this is obviously a very important, very important exam. Uh, So here's another two questions for that, uh, just some samples, just to get you thinking. If a VFR flight wishes to penetrate restricted area or 15 at casement aerodrome we uh, we know that as baldonnell it's um the local um air force um aerodrome when such area is active the pilot in command should request permission from atc dublin so obviously baldonnell is a little bit outside dublin okay but the uh, atc zones are right beside each other uh, number two, request permission from Baldonnell Approach, at least 25 nautical miles from the OR-15 boundary. Number three, avoid the area as aircraft not permitted to enter OR-15 when it is active. Or number four, request permission from Baldonnell Approach, at least 15 nautical miles or five minutes flying time from the OR-15 boundary, whichever is the greater. So obviously this is an area where you, you need to be careful because this is a, a military area, military controlled area. Uh, you can't just fly in there if you want to, but also you don't have to avoid it. So the correct, correct answer in this one was number four, request permission from Baldonnell approach at least 15 nautical miles or five minutes flying time from the OR-15 boundary, whichever is the greater. So I'll have to remember that because OR-15 actually is right next to Weston where um, I'm going to be doing my flying. So this is a good one for me to remember. And here's another question regarding uh, flight performance and planning. So you are flying from Q to OR, or should I say Quebec to Romeo, I should really start using them, a distance of 123 nautical miles. Departure time from Q is 12.03. At 12.46, you pinpoint your position at 60 nautical miles from Q. What is your ETA at OR, at Romeo? So this kind of brings you back to your, your maths that you did when you're in school. So they're obviously trying to get you to figure out, well, you know, if you've traveled 60 nautical miles in 43 minutes, okay, that's obviously a certain speed. 
So then what is your ETA at? Or considering you've traveled 60 nautical miles and you've still got 63 to go. So the correct answer there is 1331. But uh, I actually kind of enjoy those those ones. They're kind of nice to work on your, your whiz wheel, your E6B or your um, CRP1 as we call them over here in Europe. So that was flight performance and planning. In polarized, fist raised anger, staring down, don't meet the eyes. Everyone's a stranger, a thousand tunes ringing in my ear, no time for conversation. A thousand channels wide to my brain, no thought, just sensation. Don't look at me, can't you see? I don't want to talk to you. I'm plugged into the world, I'm wired. Wired but disconnected. So those two exams now, um, aircraft aviation log was two hours long. Flight performance and planning was an hour and a half. And then aircraft general knowledge, the third one, that was another hour and a half. So this is obviously one where about the airplane, um, how the engine works, how the instruments work, um, how is the airplane actually made up. So um, I actually kind of enjoyed this this uh, subject. I thought it was I found it quite interesting. So maybe there's a little bit of a mechanic in me. But here's here's two questions now, sample questions from aircraft general knowledge. The valve which allows oil to either flow through a bypass or serviceable engine oil cooler is one pressure activated, two manually activated, three temperature activated, or four electrically activated so the uh, obviously the the uh, key here is so you'd probably straight away you know reject number two manually activated and probably number four electrically activated you'd reject those two but pressure activated or temperature activated so the key here is the word it's an engine oil cooler right so the valve which allows the oil to fly flow through the bypass is temperature activated, right? Because it's to do with the engine oil cooler. So that's the answer there. Um, here's another aircraft general knowledge. How would water contamination in the fuel tank reveal itself? So obviously um, the fuel and the water uh, don't mix, don't mix well together. But how would you know you've got fuel, uh, water in your fuel tank? So number one, a rough running engine. Number two, carburetor icing. Uh, number three, clear globule I'll say that again. Clear globules in the fuel check or number four, none of the above. So this is one of the first things you learn um, when you're doing your um, pre-flight check. When you take a sample of the fuel, you take a little strainer and you put it under under the bottom of the fuel tank, wherever that is, whether it's uh, under, the, under the wing or whether it's under the, the engine, and you strain out some fuel and then you look for... Um, clear globules of water which will float to the top that's how you know that you've got uh, water in your fuel so that's the answer there it's number three so that was aircraft general knowledge now the final exam has always been a bit controversial here in ireland and i think i understand why because it's human performance and limitations now obviously this is a very important subject because our bodies uh, perform a certain way when we are in the airplane. So when you know when we go up to ten thousand feet or higher, our bodies behave differently to 
than they do when we're down on the ground, particularly if we're in an unpressurized airplane. So human performance and limitations, it's something where you need to, you need to learn, well, what can you do? What can you not do? Uh, what's your body going to be able to cope with, etc. Um, the problem, I think, with the, the Irish exam is, is that um, there tends to be some quite strange questions thrown in every now and again. I mean, they're certainly not crazy questions, but they're in the light of some of the very um, important uh, subject matter that's involved. It, it seemed interesting to see some of the questions. So I went into this one. It's a very short exam. It's 30 minutes. Um, there's only, uh, I think it's 16 or 20 questions in it, which tended to fly by. So, I mean, people were starting to, to leave the exam hall, you know, after 10 minutes. So... Uh, there was a few questions that I noticed that I thought were, were quite strange. Some were very good and others were kind of strange. But I actually came out thinking, gosh, with only 16 questions, uh, the pass mark is 75. So if you get four wrong, or let's say five, now you have to get five. If you get five wrong, then you're done. Okay. And then you have to go back and sit it again. So there was a few questions that popped up that really stumped me that I found quite interesting but in the end I passed the exam which I was delighted about but uh, here's a few sample questions now one of them actually is very important uh, the first one is somatographic illusion is generally a result of and just to explain to people what somatographic illusion is and actually I will at the end somatographic illusion is generally a result of rapid acceleration rapidly descending rapidly ascending or number four, banking the aircraft. So the correct answer to this is rapid acceleration. And this is something that is probably more applicable to IFR flying rather than VFR flying. But if you're in the clouds and you can't see the horizon or you can't see anything around you, and then you rapidly accelerate, in your ears, the, uh, the liquid in the canals in your ears kind of move. And it makes you feel like you're actually going up. It actually makes you feel like you're maybe, you know, going up a hill or you're leaning backwards. But the truth of the fact is you, you might not be going up at all. You could just be going straight. You could you could be accelerating, but not um, ascending. But your body tells you that you are ascending. Um, we had a very tragic crash um, that happened in Ireland here a number of years ago where um, two guys were on a training flight and they... They experienced this where they felt that they were going up, but they weren't. They were actually going level. And instead of relying on instruments, they um, decided to follow what their gut, what they felt, and they put the nose down, and uh, which they didn't need to do because they were flying level, but they felt they were going up, so they put the nose down, and they were in IFR conditions, in IMC, um, instrument meteorologi meteorological conditions, and they ended up flying into a mountain, which was tragic. It's terrible. So um, when it comes to IFR flying, the, the big rule is to always um, look at your instruments. Always trust your instruments. Don't trust your body. So that was a good question. I felt that, you know, that's a good question from that exam. Then you get some other interesting ones. Now, this, this is just an example of, of, of ones that you might get. Uh, so this one is, it is unwise to fly with a cold because... Number one, if you sneeze, you bang your head on the panel. Hmm, okay. I'm saying nothing. Okay? <laughs> okay, number two, if you sneeze on flare, you risk a heavy landing. Okay. Number three, pressure on the eardrum may cause discomfort or injury. 
Or number four, the atmosphere gets colder as you descend. Okay, so obviously the fourth one is wrong, but it's not as blatantly wrong as the other two. But like talking about sneezing and banging your head on the panel, like these are actually things that you get in the, in the exam, So which I thought was hilarious. But anyway, obviously the right answer here is pressure on the eardrum may cause discomfort or injury, okay? And uh, another one here that I thought was amusing was a frequent cause of pilot incapacitation is number one, food poisoning. Number two, fights with the instructor. Yes, had a few of them now. They're always good ones. Have a good scrap up in the airplane when you're flying. Not. Number three, dozing off in sunshine. Right. Or number four, insect bites. So, well, it's obviously food poisoning, right? Okay, but what's the point? You know, are you gonna are you gonna have a fight with the instructor, or are you gonna be dozing off when you're flying? I don't think so. Now, in saying that, maybe some people have. But anyway, there were just a few sample questions that I had that I thought you might find amusing. Um, but uh, overall, I was just so delighted to um, pass my exams. It, for me now, it's just one of those milestones. I've gotten over it, and I'm just just chuffed, just really chuffed now that I've passed them and that I'm going to get back now to flying. Um, I'm actually uh, changing um, flight schools, um, and maybe I'll talk about that in my next my next podcast, but I'm changing flight schools. I'll give you a bit more details about that. And I'm really looking forward now to getting up flying again. I'm just, just it's been too long, way too long. And I know the first couple of lessons are probably going to be a bit, oh, how should we say, a bit rusty. Um, but really looking forward to getting up and doing that again. So I thought maybe I'd finish up with just a, a few uh, shout outs. And the first one obviously has to go out to my family who were so patient with me over the last couple of months with me getting my uh, grand school exams. Thank you, Rowena and Jody and Luke, just for putting up with me being away all those weekends. And thank you just for, you know, putting up with me studying in the evenings. And thank you for all your support. You guys are just great. And I know we're going to have great times together, uh, all the whole, all four of us as we go flying. And uh, it's just, oh, it's going to be fantastic. So thank you to you guys. I love you. And a huge shout out to the guys at the Plain Talking UK podcast. If you haven't heard about this podcast, get on over to their website, plaintalkinguk.podcast.com. And uh, you'll uh, hear Carlos, Matt and Simon talking about all the latest news and with a specific European slant on it. These guys are doing a fantastic job of producing a weekly podcast. And I was just chuffed and honoured to be asked to be on um, their podcast just before Christmas. Had a great time chatting with them about the news and about my flying and uh, just really want to say thank you so much to them. Uh, so get on over to their their uh, their podcast. I think you can find it on iTunes. Um, but great guys, really, really great guys. And my last shout out, and um, this goes out to a huge number of people, but uh, but then I'll narrow it down to one. But I'd love to say thank you overall to the the whole aviation community. Um, I find that everybody is just so friendly, so helpful. You know, the people on Twitter are just uh, just such nice people. We're all just genuinely, you know, interested in flying and sharing it with people, you know. And I think this was just epitomized uh, the other day when I got an email from uh, Tony Simpson. Now, Tony is a young man from uh, Kildare, 
and he owns a small uh, Cessna 150. And Tony got in touch with me after hearing me on the Plane Talking UK podcast and, you know, heard that I hadn't been able to get up flying for a long time and just came straight out and said, listen, would you, would you, would you like to go flying with me? You know, if you know, I'm going to be going flying, getting cheap fuel up up in Enniskillen. Would you like to come along with me? And I was just completely blown away, completely blown away by the generosity, just the offer um, to just just to go flying with Tony. And uh, Tony, I just want to say a huge thank you to you for that. I just think that really epitomizes just the, the spirit in the aviation community. And I'm just just really grateful for that. And I'm just thankful to be a part of that community. So with that, uh, I'll round up this episode. Thank you very much uh, for downloading this and uh, listening. I know it's one guy talking on a microphone for 20 or 25 minutes, and I'm sure you could find other things to do during that time. But thank you very much for listening. I really would love to hear from you. Um, You can get in touch with me if you have any comments about the show or if you have any suggestions or if you would like to tell me, you know, about your experience with your ground school exams or, you know, what stage you're at in your training. You know, if you want to, you know, just ask me any questions, please, please get in touch. Um, My Twitter handle is MarkIsFlying, all one word. Or you can email me at maidenflightpodcast at gmail.com. That's maidenflightpodcast at gmail.com. And, you know, I'd love to hear from you. You know, send me any comments. I'll read it out on the podcast. And just thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. So take care, everybody. God bless. Bye now. and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. The Voices in Your Head.com.